Senator Carter, you want to start? Uh, it's one personal. No, I thought I said you were starting the recording. It, oh, yes, yes, yes. It's all coming. Yeah. All right, I call the meeting to order. Uh, on today, September 21st, 2022, Council Advisory Board meeting. So, um, I'm just going to start with um, item number 1B public comments, but prior to that, quick uh, board member comments, uh, just for any board member comments, if you guys need to get any comments. That's um, board member comments. Yes, any comments? Um, just on my end, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, so on my end, I just want to say that a few of our transfer members uh, had the opportunity and took the opportunity to do video and record it last week uh, for the uh, you know, met anticipated metro coming in. So that's out there. It will soon uh, be for the purposes of marketing uh, for the transit uh, computer and um, and also I wanted to wish Mark uh, birthday today. Um, I think he's probably going again, but later Mark Faraj, uh, this is birthday, he'll be coming in or maybe he's taking off for his birthday. So uh, I wish him a happy birthday if he's not going to join. And also I want to welcome guests, uh, Beth Erickson from Mrs. Loudness here. And Richard Payne, um, chairing the Commission on Aging, is here. And also on the phone, uh, or on the WebEx, is Christian Brown, later, preventive, excuse me, predictive maintenance um, for the transit. Uh, he's the CEO of a firm called uh, Pre-Ticket. Um, so with that, with that, I would like to go to public comments. And hello, welcome. So, with that, I would like to go to public comments. And, uh, Sarah, do, you, do we have uh, public uh, I public did comments? receive a, I did receive uh, an email today, uh, related to concerns from the community of Loudoun Valley State, since I believe uh, several members are here. Uh, the email is from Razan, Yazan, Mahi, Y-A-Z-A-N-R-A-M-A-H-I. And he says, good afternoon, my name is Razan Ramahi. I'm a resident at, on Stukely Drive. We recently became aware of a planned bus route inside our Loudoun Valley Estates 3 community as part of the Silver Line opening. This planned bus route inside our community has created a lot of concern for us and many of our neighbors. We have already communicated our concerns to transit comments at loudon.gov, but I was made aware of the meeting this evening. However, due to short notice, I am unable to attend the meeting to provide any public comments if the opportunity is given. And based on the board member list, I believe Mr. Charles Lyles represents our Dulles district. I would like to at least voice our concern to Mr. Lyles. Board member directory does not provide any contact information for Mr. Mr. Lyles. Is there a board member directory available to email our community's concerns to Mr. Lyles? I, I did share this email with the, uh, all the members of the board, and, and we prefer that the emails come into the transit advisory board email uh, so that staff can address that. I have responded to uh, 
to design for my team. And uh, he appreciated that and followed up by saying that uh, the concerns are based on reasonable assumptions of the frequency and opportunities for commuters to park off our residential roads will cause unnecessary traffic and higher probability to accidents. We are concerned that our neighborhood streets will become a parking area for riders of the South Riding route as this planned stop in our community is the first and last stop for drop off and pick up respectively. The route times also coincide with school buses and children walking off both Stukely and Rogerdale. We already have speeding problems in our streets, but that make it unsafe for our school children. And this stop only adds to the risk as people rush to catch the bus. We ask that the need and capacity planning for the bus stop in our neighborhood be reviewed as it may not provide the services intended for our neighborhood residents, but rather serve riders outside our neighborhood that will use our streets as convenient parking to access the Metro. Thank you. And was that sent to you? Sorry. That was sent to me. Uh, I have not had a chance to circulate okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, if you would. Uh... Hello. Welcome. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wonderful. Um, yeah, we were just talking about a message that I was received from Lauderdale State. Uh, if you would um, provide your uh, name. Uh, on the sign-in sheet, and uh, say you're from Long Valley States. We can get the email address. Does that be helpful? Uh, if you're, if you'd like to provide your email address, we can. Uh, I can circulate it back to you if you'd like to add your email addresses. And Sarah, um, if you get a chance, whenever uh, you get a chance, you can send that note. Um, detailed note from um, is on. Um, Onto the membership that'll be yes. Thank you. Um, while the guest speakers are filling out the information, do you know the uh, folks that signed up prior? Uh, all of them want to make a public comment. We did not have any advanced signups. Okay. Is it possible to put up a map over the route from the area you've been talking about? Uh, you could we could go to the internet and do that. It wouldn't be very good. How much time are you going to do this? So, uh, um, is it appropriate to ask questions from membership here? Or uh, no, uh, so right now they can. Uh, uh, so, Sarah is saying there's no uh, there's no prior sign up for the public comments. Um, but uh, you know, I know the membership, a lot of you guys have you know, come here to address this. So, if um, you know, uh, one, you know, the board has to. The suspend the rules to allow a member to to make a comment on this. I'd like to suspend the rules, suspend the rules, and, and, and hear that and hear them. Um, if they're all, if you're all willing, just one have one spokesperson. One spokesperson. Yes, yes, that's what I'm. Yeah, yeah. Yes. One spokesperson uh, suspend the rules and make this comment. And um, you know, uh, I don't think uh, we are able to discuss. In detail with the maps or ask questions tonight. Um, or you think to ask questions to, to the staff or I'd like to ask I, I would personally like to ask staff what the thought was behind this. Okay. I mean, if I were one if I were them, that's what I would want to know. Okay, so, so, okay, so, so yeah, so 
So we will probably time box that. We time box that for a few minutes because we have it's a loaded meeting today. Uh, uh, so we'll time box that uh, and ask those questions uh, to the staff. Uh, and go from there. So is there is there a motion to suspend the rules? Or I second it. So moved. So moved. All in favor? Any opposed? That passes uh, 10, um, 10 0 2. So, if, um, you know, one of one of your membership from uh, sure. the community want to provide a summary of, of um, yeah, I can read it. Yeah, yeah. That was so all I want to thank everybody um, for giving us this opportunity to present the community. So, the uh, the bus stop that's going to be that's uh, uh, you know slated for to be on Roger Dale inside the community. Uh, we got aware of that one only a few weeks back, not in a few weeks, but few days back, uh, I have residents from the community. The bus stop is going to be right on their curbside inside their property. And the uh, the bus is going to be coming into the community starting 5 a.m. to 9 p.m., 9 a.m., every 25 to 30 minutes during the peak hours, and then from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, you know, and then after 8 p.m., it goes to 50, 60 minutes till 11 p.m. in the night. It's a residential community. There's a lot of bus traffic inside the community. And uh, like we already uh, from that email that we read, uh, they they are this is going to be the first and last stop coming back and forth in South Riding to uh, to the metro, and uh, so so this is going to you know have unknown outsiders frequenting the community. They are trying to get to the metro or you know uh, this lack of privacy. There's there's no cameras or it's not a gated community. That's going to create a lot of uh, you know. Uh, uh, you know, trash and then uh, safety issues, air, noise, pollution, uh, issues for the pedestrians, uh, daily walkers, dog walkers, older older people, uh, or, you know, uh, pets. Sometimes they uh, they run off the leash. Um, inside the community, it doesn't represent a very safe option. And uh, so, and then also the, uh, you know, the uh, value that, that we are thinking that will bring to the community. The community folks don't really see much value in this bus service coming inside the community. Most of them do not use this bus service and uh, they don't intend to. Uh, we uh, are not sure how this came about, uh, who from the community or how it was decided that the community needed this bus stop. Um, what we are proposing is that this, uh, if the bus stop is absolutely necessary, it should be put outside the community. It's a two-lane um, uh, road, old, old box road. So it could be that that the bus can traverse this. We've seen some areas we've gone outside of without uh, some of our community members and seen that there's some easements outside where it could be put there, or there's a shopping complex right next to the community which has a McDonald's and all of that. Uh, that might be more appropriate to put this bus stop there. And, uh, so I won't go into too many details, uh, but everything is listed here. Uh, we want to go through, uh, you know, consider all of this. Sure. Thank you. Thanks Thank you for that. And if you could email um, a soft copy of this to the tab at loudon.com, that will be helpful for the membership to see through as well. So, with that, you know, um, Mike, you know, we can ask questions um, as a membership. Um, I want to time it to a member. No, I don't want. Um, so, I have so, one question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Others might have questions too, but, you know, I want to time it uh, two minutes. Our member to ask you and the staff or uh, the residents any questions and then yeah um, sorry for the staff um i just want to know how this came about 
and I want to know uh, what alternatives can be instead. But this seems to me, if I were them, ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm sure that there was some thought behind it. I'm sure there was a reason for it. Um, we need to hear more about that because when you're going to put it in someone's front yard, it sounds like to me that there's probably a better option, including McDonald's down the block. Yeah. So it doesn't need, I only get, get an answer for that tonight. You know, we're being asked these questions the first time, but I do want that answer. I believe that they deserve that answer. Well, I, I can just start by saying well, that there. Okay. We'll answer, but, okay. I have a question for the homeowners. Um, so I understand your concerns. Absolutely understand. Uh, so are there anyone, anyone in your community that did you when the first so did you have an HOA? I'm assuming, and did you guys take a, a, a survey with that, or is this an anecdotal vote or anecdotal information? And and if there is no the third question, I'm just going to give you all my questions and you can answer them. Uh, and if there is, and if there, the service is removed or removed from your uh, service, and just just to be just to clarify, the boot service doesn't exist yet, so there's no way for anyone to take the bus because Silver Line doesn't exist. It's good so. So if anyone does take the bus to Metro, um, is that going to be a problem for anyone that might want to take it? But that's the community, right? So if they get dropped off at McDonald's, for example, I know that road, it is not safe. So getting over to your community, will there be, do you believe that there is issues? So, uh, so I'm just wondering, because this is a Metro connection route to our station. So I'm wondering, I understand your concerns. I'm not trying to, but if there are people that want to use the metro, have you heard from them? Um, or and so you know, was there a formal vote and and etc. I think they can take that. There was a, a actually a public hearing, something that was done for that from particular community from from the transportation department in in the past in one night three. So at that time, information was communicated as the bus stops are. Freeport and old docks, Stuckley and old docks, which are outside about community. Those both those intersections are on old docks only, right? So people that it's outside the community, they they want to have it. Sure, no no issues. But when it, the implementation comes, it's actually routing into the community. Actual stops are even though they were advertised as Stuckley and old dock, the actual stop is on Rogerdale and Stuckley. And Roger Day and So that's right in the front. So the implementation is the issue, right? So when the communication was done, I think there was probably a favorable vote, but not done through HOA. Okay. It was public hearing, communication was given, right? So maybe there was some you know implementation challenges that might have forced it to be put inside the community. We, we understand that, but our input to that is I think. We personally think, as as the owners, right, on exactly one of the stops is right in front of my house, so like like right at the edge of my yeah. So from that standpoint, we don't think that's the right sure. idea. Sure. I mean, we we appreciate all the work the board is doing, everything, all the hard work that is put into making these things happen. But you know, I you might think, oh, if it is coming your front yard, you you are you are making an argument, but what I'm saying is maybe we should consider all things. No, I am considering. I just want I wanted to get the other other like, perspective. And I want to answer your other question also. So so the uh, the uh, community has a walkway uh, 
and by the sound wall to get to the stop if it's outside of the community. Okay. It's safe for them to come out and make the metro. Okay. And the community is not, uh, you know, it's not as huge that they, nobody can walk outside and get that. Um, I got you. Get the it's pretty safe. We have discussed it. We've sent emails to the HOA uh, for the last few days and all of that. Our HOA sent since we, we were not, uh, the voting was not done through us. It would be best for community members to be present and go to the voting. And uh, our president, vice president, he's traveling today. He was not able to make it, but they are on board with us. Uh, last thing, just we are an advisory board. We actually have no direct power. So I just want you to be aware of that. And so when we we give any advice, it is literally we are an advisory board, so we can only give advice. So I just want you to set expectations that we don't actually have direct power to tell. And we can't understand. Them. So so any other board members have any questions either to the staff or the community members for you? I don't think we got the answer to Mike's question, right? No, I think, I think no, the, no, we're not. Staff 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 is gonna, staff's gonna, staff's gonna yeah. Yeah, have to look back at the information on maps. Okay. They're gonna get back to us. Uh, and then, um, I think some of the members, our guest members, arrived a few minutes after the start of the meeting. I I spoke with a few members and I told them that we will circle back. Uh, from the decisions that was made, which was not really to the person who walked in. I will get that answer. Ron, yes. can I say something? Yeah. Is everybody here against this? Yes. 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 So here's what I would like to do as staff. We are the ones that did all of this wrong. Um, you are correct. There was public transportation and there was communication with the public and the route was always going through the community. It was graphically put that way. It was presented that way. We got 72-ish responses. 57 of them were positive for the route. So that's where we stood when we did it. You're correct in the, the stops were outside the community at first. We ran into issues with VDOT, with sight lines and right away issues because of those walls and people turning and keeping it safe. So VDOT asked us to move those stops. So we are working through that process right now. Um, I will be happy to come and meet with all of you, the entire neighborhood, okay? because it's the entire neighborhood that's affected. Um, Pre-pandemic, just for the record, there was roughly 90 folks in that neighborhood that took our buses every day and, and asked us and asked us and asked us to run a bus through that neighborhood. We now have the opportunity to do that, which is why we're trying to do that. Um, we have worked with school systems, so they will not conflict with the school buses. So that's an inaccurate statement. We actually met with the school system that worked around all the bus stops and bus times. That's part of our standard practice. So just so you know, that was worked through. Um, anyway, I, I just wanted to kind of put that out there. Um, and I'll be happy to come and meet with you, the homeowners the whole group and, and if there's 150 people they're great let's just talk it through and if the majority of you end up not wanting the bus going through there then we're civil servants we will make the best decision based on what the majority wants and asks going through there right we're in a we're in a little bit of a predicament right now staff because we're at almost you know half people want it half people don't want it what do you do we're trying to do we're trying to put a, a public service out there to support 
of mass transportation that we just brought into the county. So we hear you loud and clear. Um, you know, we're sorry if you did not get our our first couple of transportation, you know, communications, which actually there were several of them, but if we didn't get them, that's fine. Um, well, we there's still time to work through this. You know, it is not. It's not. We can certainly pull those stops out from that neighborhood. The bus will not stop on 606. Like Rushi said, it is a terrible road. It is not. There's not any really good pedestrian access ways outside of your neighborhood. So that was the that was the purpose and the rationale for moving it the stop into the neighborhood. And instead of having two stops, we moved it down to one to make it as inobtrusive as possible. So that's the rationale that went behind it. I don't want to take up any more time because you're already at 725. And I know you got a full plate today. Just wanted to kind of let everybody know where they are. Please make sure we have your email addresses and your names so that we can set something up and and have a full-fledged conversation on this with your entire neighborhood there so that we can do what's best for everybody. Okay. And if I can add, if you guys when you send that, send your HOA, next HOA meeting that they could they would they could be invited to or at least a couple of them. And you know, so that as a former HOA board member, I think I know that I would have appreciated that. So so if you got some times, they'll they'll be they'll they'll help work with you guys. And if you have to to that extent, I'm not sure we have who the current chair of your HOA is. So if you could send us that and they're address, yeah. that'd be fantastic. And, and we appreciate giving us another opportunity. Sure. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Uh, so I'll just ask before test. before you leave, um, I'll, I'll make my computer available. That way I'm sure everything's typed properly um, to enter it in. There are a couple of um, spellings here that I'm not quite sure of. Uh, and I didn't get your sign-in information. They, as well. One may not stay through the rest of this meeting. <laughs> just so you know. Okay, we can take a few minutes. So is now. it just, is it tab at loud.gov? It is. Yeah. So send us your email. Yeah. Right now, you know, that's about our people. We don't want to see the notice. So Sarah is going to do this. Yeah. So what's the was McDonald's? Yes, McDonald's. Yeah. McDonald's. Yeah. McDonald's. Yeah. We should. HOA when the HOA yeah. when they meet with the HOA. There's a lot of these follow-up questions that yeah. So so yeah. So Sarah, if you could if you miss somebody to get a sign up sheet, let's just do it in a notebook or in a piece of paper. Yeah. And um, okay there and, yeah. and just get that information and type it in later. Uh so I there are a few people if, that I just need to spell it a little bit more uh, print uh, a little bit more neatly. Uh, since we don't have the agenda I don't just today you want so if it's one household that's over. So 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 Sorry, yeah, but you don't have this. Yes, so I'm sorry, glad you had a comment. Yeah, I mean, I understand the concerns, and I don't want to tell you, you know, what's best for you, but to share my experience, right? I live in a kind of similar community. There is a bus that goes through. Uh, I can assure you that it doesn't create any problems. I walk the dog in the morning, I see the bus pull in, I see the bus pull out. My dog is safe. People are safe. No, like, no criminals are coming, and uh, like it's, it's. 
the cars create more noise because there are more of them than the bus. Again, uh, obviously, you will talk directly, right? but I just wanted to share experience of living not far from a bus stop. All it takes one or two incidents, you know, people <laughs> parking in there, people bringing their cars and and, and, this last, and this is Vlad's perspective, you know, Vlad, uh, uh, as a member of the TAP, he lives in a uh, district, and, um, you know, that, that's his experience from the community. Uh, thanks for sharing that, Vlad. Uh, appreciate it. And, uh, all right, uh, is there any, any other board member questions or comments before uh, you wrap this up? And for the community members and guests here today, we will, uh, you know, follow the staff and the transfer bus report and we are sure we will be able to do that. And we'll hear from you more further on this on your concerts and questions and then we'll talk. So, you know, you don't have to have any doubt on that. Um, and please do make sure that you sign up, uh, sign your information into that notebook and so that we can be in touch with you and as well as your HOA companies. So, yeah, we have a member of the control. We have a member of the HOA committee. Okay. So, uh, so I was just saying that to the LP, Lauren Valley three, is that correct? Yes. Lauren Valley three uh, residents that uh, their consult will be discussing. Uh, this is sort of a curveball to the board today, transit board today. We didn't have this in the agenda. So we'll follow up with staff, and staff will work with work with board uh, to have this further hashed out. Uh, and please do give your contact information um, so that we can serve it back with the residents on this particular issue. I, I live in the neighboring Norwich district uh, in Brambleton, and like Rushi, I've served myself on the Brambleton Hedgehog Board, so I understand the process that it's um, So I appreciate you all coming in, and you know, uh, if you guys are, you can feel free to feel free to stay back and listen to a couple of presentations that are going to happen uh, from um, Beth Erickson, uh, from Blizzard Loudon, and then there's a Predictive maintenance uh, for the transits. Uh, that's one of the presented by another person on the backs. So feel free to stay back and listen to the presentation, but um, we will um, be discussing your item um, on our going into the details on that in the first time. All right. So, so with that, uh, Beth, if you want to um, take over. Um, so what I'll do is I will send a, an email to you about this to make sure I've got it right. Uh, if you don't receive an email from me, within a week, please. Yeah, of course.
Hey, Ron. Ron, would you like me to take over for a little bit while you talk? Um, I will tell you, I was before the planning commission a few weeks ago and uh, got there at six. My item came up at 11 o'clock at quarter 12. They said we didn't have enough time to discuss your item. We're going to push you to another planning commission meeting. So 730 is a beautiful. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you all so much for having me. And I know a few of you in the room, um, but I want to introduce myself. I'm president and CEO of Visit Loudoun. And Visit Loudoun is Loudoun County's destination marketing organization, or the better way to look at it, we are the tourism arm of the county. So um, my purpose here this evening is we have just completed our three-year strategic plan. We do it every three years. And in doing so, working with Red Sky Strategies, we pulled a really valuable amount of data. And Amy had seen the presentation, and within the data, there's a lot of conversation, a lot of discussion that comes from visitors, residents, and business owners, really about how do we disperse visitors throughout the county. So I think it was, it tripped up in Amy's mind, because we were talking, we used the presentation on housing. So, I mean, there's a lot here so we were talking with the housing commission transit is discussed and i'm so thankful that amy had the foresight to say please come and present so um with that let me set a little bit of context because i'm not assuming anybody has any idea about tourism as much as i do but i will tell you that in the before days pre-pandemic this uh, loudon county was the third highest revenue generator of tourism third highest generator of tourism revenue in the Commonwealth of Virginia. We generated more revenue than Virginia Beach and Williamsburg. We put more people to work than Loudoun County schools and Loudoun County government combined. We were a $2 billion industry, technically 1.94, but we felt we were heading right for 2 billion and then March, 2020 happened. So um, that kind of gives you a little bit of context. So if you can go ahead and get started. 
So, um, as a part of our strategic planning, Red Sky strategies and why we went to them is they had a really great approach on how they were going to start pulling information. So, I'm going to start over here under the 33 stakeholder interviews. They did 60 to 90 minute interviews with every one of our elected officials, our mayors, uh, Buddy Reiser at Economic Development, Tony Howard at the Chamber, Rural Economic Development Commission, on and on and on. Um, and then we had, uh, we did a, a series of surveys, meaning Red Sky Strategies, we did not send out a survey and through the Chamber Economic Development, our own database, we reached 144 business owners. You're going to hear from them. They're all Loudoun County businesses. But the one that I am most excited about is the residents and visitors survey. We had 1,122 residents respond to this survey. That, in my opinion, was absolutely mind blowing. And I was really excited about it. And then we went on and we had five strategic work sessions, which we had 63 participants. All told, there are about 1,500 Loudoun County and visitor fingerprints on this plan which tells me that we are in a really strong direction. So I'm gonna walk you through, we're gonna start on the data. So it's a little bit of an eye chart because nothing says yay on data at 7.30 in the evening, but bar chart. So let me walk you through a little bit. Um, and it's again, the first couple are really gonna talk a little bit about what people are looking for when they're coming to Loudoun County as a destination. You may or may not know we are branded DC's wine country. <laughs> so when you go through, the darker color is the previous three years, the lighter color is what they're interested in. So Loudoun County as a destination is vast, which is not a surprise. We have the rural west and we have a very urban east. So the, the discussion is how do we really connect the two? So we have our vineyards in our west, we have shopping and dining more in the east, we have gardens and parks throughout, museums and galleries, but when you start looking at scenic outdoor activities, those are really gonna be towards the west. Let me go ahead and hit this one. And the visitors that are coming to Loudoun County, not a surprise, 65% are going to do vineyards. So that is about as far west as you can get in Loudoun County. Others are looking at shopping, dining, historic sites, breweries, things that really make Loudoun County that, that fabulous place to live, work, and visit. So this is one of, truly one of my favorite slides. Part of it is, um, over here. So the darker color are those that want, would be interested in visiting again, those who've come, they've had a great experience, so they want to come back. But the other one is those that recommend visiting. So 82% say that they want to come back to Loudoun County, 81% say that they would recommend Loudoun County to friends and family. And, you know, this is an abbreviated part of a larger presentation where we talk about the fact that most travel decisions are made on social media these days or by recommendations from friends and family. So that's a really, really important. So we asked them, what are those improvements for coming to Loudoun County? The first group, 30% 30, 30 said none. We had a great experience. There's no other issues. Here's when we get into the discussion on this evening, closer proximity between destinations. Clearly we can't move things closer together, but that begins to start ticking it up. Closer proximity between destinations, Consistent ability to get a ride share. You can easily get out somewhere in Western Lab and you cannot get back. So you'll have somebody drop you off. It'll be at 11 o'clock at Bro, and you cannot find anybody to take you back. More accessible public transportation. Direct cross-country transport, cross-county transportation and more ride share options. 
So one of the things that I know that we have been speaking about, we were together at a um, at another presentation, was you know to really take a look at the silver line and, and to say you have somebody that gets off at the end of the silver line. How do they get out to Vermont? How do they get out to enjoy the tourism assets of this two billion dollar industry? Yeah. Um, we're going to go into a couple slides about businesses here. Those hundred and forty four. One of the things that I think is important is that 78% said tourism is important to their business. Whether or not they're in the tourism business, they recognize that that is where they really are dependent on some of that revenue. And that 58% say it's important that Loudoun continues to be a visitor destination. So on this one, I think is important when we ask them, where are they going? How are they conducting their business? A lot of them are hitting into restaurants, wineries, and breweries. You're not going to see that in a lot of other destinations. And I believe a lot of that is because we don't have the product where we have down here when you go into business-focused hotels and conference rooms. The reason that I bring this up is one of the challenges that we have in Loudoun County. When you think about our hotels, you would walk out of a hotel generally if you are at a, at a meeting or a, 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 a convention, and you would have options to your left or to your right. And we really don't have that. A lot of our hotels are on islands. And the reason I bring that up is if you get a ride from the airport to deliver you to Lansdowne, there's really no way to get from Lansdowne back out and about. So it really becomes an issue of interconnectivity. Um, this is one of the ones that is, I think, one of the thoughts that Amy had specifically, and this is what are those challenges for the continued health of the visitor economy? And this is affordable housing, that's what we were talking about, which we brought it in. But for us, it's really taking a look at more integrated public transportation. Public transportation begins to start coming up more and more. We have never seen this before in any of our previous strategic plans. And I think that that is what rang the bell of recognition. So, um, just, I'm going to get through the, the, the visitor. I mean, the resident demographics pretty quickly. What I was excited about is that it truly was across the county. You had 34% in the east, 30% in the transition policy area, 37% in the west. The average length of time that these 1,122 residents had lived in Loudoun County was 11 years. So we had the right people representing the entirety of the county. Um, overwhelmingly, 70% bringing it over here support tourism. So we know that we are a valued industry by our residents. Um, and when they're taking a look here, I'm not going to go into everything. This is when we look at the traditional everything from outdoor activities, gardens, parks, performing arts center. This is really a little bit more granular than I think we need to get to this evening. So, um, one of the best parts, and I'm just going to put this up because it makes me excited. Uh, thankfully, for DC's wine country, 53% of our residents say that that's a good moniker. So we'll keep going. All right. So this is um, this is an important important slide. So let me explain. It's a little hard. The the mid tone green are the east, west, and then the darker colors that transition policy area. So when we ask residents, what do they see as some of the largest barriers? Loss of open space, awareness, affordability, but this is where we're getting into the discussion that we have here. Um, infrastructure, being able to access, to be able to navigate around the destination uh, is being seen. Traffic is, is always a concern. And then again, that distance between destinations. So you're hearing it from 
residents, you're hearing it from business owners, you're also hearing it from visitors. So, um, on this one, we asked what concerns you most in regards to tourism over development. We're not going to discuss that here. So, I don't think that's relevant. Traffic is relevant. 30% saying that they believe traffic is a concern. And without a doubt, traffic looks different in Brambleton than it does in Bloomer. So, again, trying to figure out where that intersectionality is. Over on the other side, um, I just like to throw this out because I think it's important. Losing the quaintness of Western Loud, not enough variety of arts venues, too much national media attention. So the only reason I'm bringing that up was because it, to me, this was the sniff test. When we got the results, I had a call from Red Sky Strategy saying, we're seeing really odd things coming up in your survey. What's going on about Loudoun County in the news? <laughs> and I went, <laughs> and she said, should we pull it? And I said, no, because it's legitimate as, as just a very brief aside in our toolbox um, during those 72 hours last year, last summer of the school board issue, we pulled a media report. There were 3.4 billion negative impressions worldwide about Loudoun County. 3.4 billion, everything from the London Telegraph all the way down. So that made sense to me, which I thought was great. Going, well, great, you know. Um, so again, when we take a look at the last three are really just some of those nice visuals in terms of what people think about when they think about Loudoun County and the residents, it's the words you want to see. You know, again, history, wineries, greener, um, east and west. So you're going to see that here under residents. Again, talking about connectivity, how do we get from the east to the west and back and forth? Next one. These are the visitor word cloud that you would absolutely, any destination would be proud to have, and I'm very proud to have. But everything from beautiful, outdoors, welcoming, proximity, historic. The proximity is proximity to DC. So again, they're coming in from the east, they're coming in from the airport. We need to be able to pull them all the way into the destination. As a brief aside, you'll see data centers here. Um, and I will tell you that the data centers here from the visitor's perspective is very different. There's people who want to go into a data center. We had a couple who wanted to get married in a data center. <laughs> um, there is this strong desire to post on Instagram from inside the Facebook data center to be in the cloud posting about the cloud. So that's the between Microsoft and Amazon. There you have it. So, um, and then the, the last one on here. So these are the stakeholders welcoming diverse cultural, open-minded, misunderstood, uh, family-oriented, a little bit of something for everyone, and at the cusp of monumental change. And I do agree with that. And I think that having the silver line come, and it, 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 I maybe have $5 in my wallet if somebody can tell me when that will happen. Because I have a, we have an ad campaign that's in the can ready to go. So just let me know. Um, I can tell you the wrong answer. So, um, again, I think that the discussion and, and we're going to be working very diligently over the course of the next 3 years to kind of help to provide whatever data and insight that we can to advisory boards to the, to the staff as we take a look at transit issues. And we have a couple of thoughts up our sleeves and we look forward to hopefully having a chance to sit down and talk about it. But we do see that there's a great opportunity, even looking at a hub and spoke model 
of bringing um, visitors when they're coming into, you know, ending at Metro to at least go to the towns and then we can try to disperse them out from there. But I think there's a lot of great opportunity, um, but it's also a workforce issue, which I also wanted to make sure that I hit. Yes, sir. Uh, one thing you're missing, I think, on the studies is sports tourism now, loud and soccer, USDA. Everything is coming up. It's a demand driver. Uh, and that will start having a lot of folks coming towards our direction. Absolutely. I went through, there's some slides I didn't include because right. I didn't USDA talk is coming up and setting up yep. their, their, their sports here and loud and soccer. Their I'm actually heading to loud and soccer right after here. I'm heading to Sugra in just a moment. So that should be part of our tourism. And, you know, it is. Tourism. And it's um, so sports tourism is a huge driver, everything from tournaments, uh, which is why we had Steve Torpy work with us on this. Um, but then when we start looking at those professional and we are very excited to have USTA here, that is going to be a game changer. Thrilled. Yes, sir. On the issue of um, transportation. When you're talking mm -hmm. about dispersing people from the silver. Does uh, you know, your organization have a. Point of view on how that should be done, or do you have suggestions? Do you have things you can play? We do. We, ha we have some thoughts on it, and I'd like to be able to sit down with Scott, um, talk with economic development. We have some ideas on how we could look at something, whether it is um, really, I think we're looking at our largest intensity of use as weekends. Right. Uh, and I think that that could afford some opportunities. Um, I will also share when we talk about workforce housing. The issue is not even if they're not able to stick to live here, their issue is also to be able to get to their jobs. So that is also going to be very, very key. When I talked about those nearly 18,000 jobs in tourism and hospitality, a lot of them are not on the higher pay scale. So that ability to be able to use public transportation is huge. And a lot of our businesses are struggling because not only they, they're really struggling. Can't get the work. Can't get the work. Where are they? Employees, they're not allowed to wear any. We see um, for a lot of our, uh, one of our largest hotel conglomerates is BF Salt, and they have a lot of their hotels in the east. So they're pulling people in from Arlington, from Alexandria area. So that will be very helpful with Metro. Uh, further west, you're going to be looking at Maryland, West Virginia, uh, Vaupier County. So that's not as, that's not going to be within that same realm of being able to access. But I think any kind of a, a the bus routes are going to be huge to be able to start making sure that people can get to their job safely. Yes, ma'am. Hi. Hi. How are you? Oh, well, um, well, thank you, number one. Separately, with regards to the survey that went out to the community, mm -hmm. how was that disseminated? That's a great question. Again, I edited this down, so let me explain. I think the reason that we were able to hit that nearly 1,200 residents was every one of our board of supervisors sent it out, mayor sent it out. Um, we had, I, I was at a meeting and one of the people jokes saying, you know, I, I have, I, I'm going to take your survey. I got it from four different people. <laughs> so it was great to kind of push it out. And I will close my remarks um, by a way that I open it with a lot of other presentations, which is if I ever had a one line job description, it would be making tourism visible. And I will tell you that nothing made us more visible than when we disappeared. So I think that this survey response comes from a community who recognized their local restaurants were struggling, um, whose kids may have been employed, whose spouse may have been employed in our industry. I think it became a very apparent crisis. So 
So I think when they saw the survey came come across, they took it, which I really appreciate. And the fact that all of our elected officials pushed it out was huge. So um, it was everybody self-selected on the survey. It's a great question. Yes. Well, kind of related to what Camilo uh, said, is this survey demographically represented? Um, we we asked by zip codes. We did not ask demographics. So normal one problem with surveys, right, is that mm -hmm. some demographics are more likely to take the survey than others, and people with more free time are more likely to take a survey okay. than somebody. You probably know it better. But on the other side, but that would also tell you that depending on how you look at that, um, the results that we do have, and part of the way that we were cross-referencing demographics is based on all of the zip codes. So we're looking at a representation possibly within those zip codes. But I'm going to pull that off because I am not, I'm not on the back research side of things. But what I think that that could tell us directionally is that those people that identify transit as a challenge are the ones that did answer the survey. So that could be indicative that there are far more behind it that could be voicing similar concerns. If I could just add one last thing, is um, it's interesting. I didn't, I didn't see the survey. Just as an yeah. anecdotal, I don't know if anyone else on the board. So yeah. I, I live in Lansdowne, and I'm on the board and didn't see the survey. I work in research, and I would absolutely would have jumped all over this. But yeah. to your point, though, and to her point, what you need to look at this in, in terms of because it was self-selected, it's directional. You may not want to like stick on all the numbers exactly, but what it's doing is it's sort of exactly. surfacing the ideas on what's going oh, on. Oh, I get it. Yeah. But, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, for example, like look at 86% versus 85% with any precision. But it seemed like the general themes were coming through kind of makes sense. But I, I'm just noting that, you know, being of color in the community, um, it would have been, I'm not sure how. I can tell you that the Community Foundation pushed it out and pushed it out to its 250 grantee organizations yeah. to push out to their constituents. So I would hope that that would have surfaced um, a diverse. Sure. Um, and I would also hope was, was it pushed out through supervisors? Like All the supervisors sent it out. So they sent it out to, to, their, to their newsletters. They are one. Which I can yeah, so I mean, like this falls in line with something I think uh, Scott or maybe Steve, you guys, what do you guys said regarding uh, uh, the commuter bus, not the commuter bus, sorry, the uh, the, the bus behind bus service uh, with um, with our workers in, in Sterling. So this I think falls directly in line with that trying to get because we we turn we uh, turn our bus service off sometimes well before the restaurants close or. Or even after they close it around the same time, they still have to clean up. So there, this kind of falls directly in line with that. Probably more more tilted toward the west versus Sterling, but I think I think we're still talking about the same thing. Well, are you going to start that? I was kind of no, no. With it. Like I, I was on the bus with somebody who takes the bus to her work first time and, and takes their bag because of the time. Right, and that's exactly that's what I'm, exactly what I'm saying. Well, I'm just saying you. it's more of a county wide thing more than. East of 15. But I think about weekend service. I think that one of the challenges you saw in DC when you had dishwashers and those that were closing up restaurants sleeping in the restaurant because they could not access transportation right. home. So I don't think that that is an unusual um, challenge. I think it's so one question on the uh, late night service is what you're talking about, right? So uh, that was service at that point in time. But how safe is it from the bus stop to the home 
anybody in, in Lowell County. Uh, you know, that's something needs to be thought about when you take public transportation versus Uber. You know, that's a difference. At that point in time, I would rather have someone take Uber than a public transportation. Yeah, but you can afford it. And I would say what, what I also think is, yeah. I think it needs to be a multi approach. Um, I think that there's a lot of solutions that could be brought forward that could address different needs. Yeah. Um, most certainly, I think, you know, even as you saw consistency to get ride share is a huge issue and there is a safety component on that. Um, you know, public transportation, the county connections. So I think there's a lot of opportunity and that's why I really appreciate it. And I finally found out who it was that said, I think possible monumental change. Does anybody want to give a guess as to who that was? My turn. So, um, you know, when, when I went through it, I said, I think this sounds like you. And he goes, yeah, it was Pete. No, I just had a comment um, on, you know, what um, member Harry mentioned in terms of uh, Transportation, it has to be multimodal transportation uh, because I know that Chair Randall, um, she was at a conference, National Association of Counties, I think, recently, where NACO, where she discussed or where they discussed, uh, you know, uh, transportation in multiple towns. So when we talk about transit, it's not just necessarily buses or trains, but it's a combination of, you know, could be, you know, bikes on the buses and, you know, and, and something like that. So it's not just public transportation. There could be transit, you know, through road connectors. It could be any, anything. So you know, with that, but I think uh, I think uh, thanks for the presentation, and I think we go in the right direction. I you had some um, thoughts or closing comment. Um, the one thing that I, I was just at a conference and I heard um, the CEO of Enterprise talk about this multimodal approach and there's a new platform that they are that they are supporting that's being tested in the UK and it literally is as you come in you can choose different legs of your transportation so it could be I want to get um, you know an Uber from the airport but from there I need to pop on a bus I need to rent a bike. So it's all of these different ways to map that out, which again, I think is a great opportunity for us to take a look at. It's far more than buses. Yeah. So my hope would be um, that as we go through over the course of the next few years of the strategic plan, that I can come back and meet with you and bounce ideas off of you to see what you think. Um, but I am really grateful for your time. I will tell you out of all the boards and commissions that I have ever stood before in the last 10 years, I've never been here. And I really like your approach. So thank you very, very much. Amy, thank you for facilitating this. Um, thank you for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you all so much. This presentation was emailed out to all of us. And if there's any of the slides that you would like to see that I didn't include, I'm happy to do that. But I just wanted to make sure because it gets pretty wonky into our world. <laughs> Uh, thanks, Ben. And with that, I think we want to move to business matters. Uh, we've been holding uh, uh, Krish Devrajan as a hostage, one of the best for his presentation. But before we get to that, I know that uh, we have a guest uh, from Functional uh, Aging, Richard Payne, um, from what I understand from our member uh, Larson. Um, you know, he was able to attend your session, and he mentioned that. Um, uh, you know, you are generally wanting uh, you know, to attend the session and understand the civil line coming in, as have you mentioned here. 
and also the composition of the TAP conservatory board members uh, that are uh, in addition to the eight district or the one at large right. members. So that's what I understand. But thank you for the time. In the time, absolutely. And um, uh, we will get to uh, a comment from Member Larson here in a second after we hear the presentation from Krishna Raja. Krishna, the floor is yours. Um, and I think Scott just made you as the presenter, uh, so you should be able to share the slides uh, online. Um, you might, you might be, is that your other one? Got it. Um, where I'm talking from is probably where I'll share my slides. I, I didn't know if I was going to share the slides myself or whether it was going to uh, come up. So I'll pick, pull up the slides, by the way, Ram and uh, board members, uh, TAB members really appreciate this opportunity um, to share the innovation we're doing from an AI perspective. It was fascinating to see all the data that you guys are collecting from uh, tourism. So this is big data. So we're looking at roughly a million mile, million sensor data points per um, bus per day is what we're translating into actionable insights that can be used by um, agencies across North America and um and so that's essentially you know what our core technology is and really wanted to just share it with this uh board and uh the the staff of Loudoun, uh, Loudoun uh, County Transit so you guys can effectively determine if this is something that makes sense uh for your operations and I'm still kind of picking up my slides which is why I, you don't see it yet no, don't worry. I, I opened it up right now, so I'm good. Thank you. There is one check that real quick. Uh, next to attendee one, there's a drop down uh, arrow. There we go. Okay. Can you guys see my screen? Yeah, we're good. Perfect. Thank you. Apologize. I'm in a hotel room, and so I had um, my computer camera stopped working. So. So it, essentially, we're AI for maintenance. Um, that's are you able to, uh, are you able to make it a, a full presentation? I'm not sure. Is the presentation? Sorry. Go, go, go. Presentation mode. There you go. There you go. Perfect. I think that's as big as I can get it. Yeah, Okay, got it. So we're so the objective for this meeting is to really introduce to you the AI technology that was primarily developed for the trucking industry, and uh, we have effectively been working with several agencies across North America at this point, and and really show the acceptance that has have been happening with other agencies across. A quick background about Pretect: we're headquartered in Memphis. Um, I've, um, I'm now a member of the APTA board. My background is I've been at OnStar, Ryder, and Cisco, and I joined the CEO of Pretect in late 2019, just before COVID. Uh, we work with transit agencies, but more importantly, our largest business is actually with trucks, Daimler Trucks, which is the largest truck OEM, as well as a large, large number of trucking fleets, and then U.S. Army and Bridgestone are other customers. 
And all I could say is maintenance is not normally thought considered as an area for innovation. So we've basically really looking at big data, AI, and IoT to kind of look into that sector. Um, and the reason I kind of have MTA here, that this is the New York City MTA, they've basically tested our product for three years and have decided that they're going to source us for a majority of their buses, a little bit more than 1,000 buses. Uh, and that is happening literally this month after three years of testing. Sample of some of the agencies we're working across in North America at this point, but let me get to the meat of the deal. We focus on the technician. We focus on really giving them an additional tool to help identify what the issue is, what the severity is, what the root cause is, and how do I fix this issue? I'm not sure. I believe you, you know, at Loudoun County Transit, your maintenance is outsourced. But a lot of the maintenance staff around the country right now are understaffed. The shortage is, is, is roughly between 40 to 60%. And this ability for AI to essentially help and assist the technicians do their jobs better is why we've been looking at the return on investment from looking at this technology makes sense. So how does pre-tech work? We're essentially ingesting high frequency raw sensor data in real time from buses through what's called the J1939. That's the equivalent of the OBD2 port on cars. All of this data, by the way, is standard based, defined by the SAE group committee, that's the Society for Automotive Engineers. And a lot of it is sourced at one hertz, which is basically at one, every frequency of one second. Most of the CAD AVL or telematics companies are not collecting this type of data today because this was not a focus for a majority of the folks to actually use at this point. So we're effectively unique in the fact in transit, especially because in trucking, there are two or three other companies who are actually doing this at this point. We have 1 billion miles of driving data that actually power our data models. That's effectively as a result of us being around since 2015, continually refining these, these particular opportunities. It will likely take us two to three weeks to configure to your fleet. Finally, we actually give repair plans, which allow the technicians on staff or from your contractor to actually take this insights and see the return and how this can actually work. I just have a couple more slides before I pause for questions, because obviously this presentation was mailed out. So I'm sure there might be some specific questions you guys might have. I want to be conscious of time from your side as well. You've been gracious with giving me time and this opportunity to present, but at the same time, don't want to go through all the details on this, on this particular material. Quick example of what could potentially happen. On a truck or a bus, there is a particular part called the intake knock sensor. There is no diagnostic trouble code or fault code that actually shows that this is starting to fail. If this knock sensor fails, over a period of two weeks or three weeks, uh, the damage to the bus could be to the order of $20,000. But this part is $500. Effectively, with that 1 billion miles of driving data, we're able to indicate that an intake knock sensor is failing. And we actually have repair plan, which says potentially what that technician who is feeling, seeing, hearing, smelling that particular bus, because he or she is working on that particular equipment, we give guidance to check the wiring harness that's in the root cause section. 
And if no issue, we're telling them to check the calibration of the ECM. And if both of those are fine, then replace the intake knock sensor. We can't guarantee that all of this absolutely right, but time and time and again, agencies and fleet operators with various, various um, organizations have seen that our precision has been pretty good. Last slide before I kind of just pause here. For a fleet of 30 buses, the data is collected through cellular, and we don't really care how that data is collected. Our product is essentially what is in this box below here. In just the data, it goes through machine learning, it goes through a maintenance alert. Very importantly, for those data scientists or people who know data, AI is great, but false positives are a problem. We effectively get around that by using a technology called human in the loop, where these are trained technicians that work on Cummins or others who look at this and say, you know what, this is absolutely true or not, and it goes back to the machine learning engine, but then they're effectively able to come out with a repair plan as well. We do automate certain repair plans, so certain times the technician is no longer in the loop. 30 buses, we look at 100 million sensor data points a month. 1,000 engine fault cords. That is effectively translated into four repair plans. And what is done after that is up to the fleet, the maintenance teams, and the procedures and policies they have. We don't really play an active role. We have APIs to integrate with whatever systems your folks would have. Really, I'll pause here and, and take questions and uh, get your guidance in terms of what else you'd like to hear from me. Members, questions? Uh -huh. All the people who are going to so, uh, so, so I think, Chris, uh, so you, sh uh, you shared the presentation with us ahead of time. Thank you for sharing that. And I think I did um, you know, share uh, uh, details on information as to what, what the offering is um, from your end to staff, um, Francis staff here in Loudoun County earlier. And I think they put on about it in a, I don't know if Scott or you know, T or Sarah, they have any specific questions. I think uh, I think they understand what uh, you know value or the uh, question you bring in uh, from your your end. I think they don't have any I don't, I don't think they have any Wait, I don't have any specific questions. I certainly understand the model and I'll look through the slides, yeah. I have one question. I think I think Roshi has a question. And this has, you don't have to answer it now. Thank you for the time. Sure. Um, uh, would you do you have any ROI information on? Yeah, uh, not in the decks itself, but basically it varies between five thousand to six thousand dollars of savings per year per bus. And yeah. yeah, so and then the cost is significantly lower than that that, that amount. Thank you. All right, uh, Ram, uh, board members, really appreciate the opportunity. And if this is of interest, I look forward to hearing from you folks. Thank you very much Chris, for joining in uh, and I appreciate um, you following on for the networks. Thank you. All right, um, with that, um, we can go to the next item. Uh, Ron, if you want to provide an update uh, from your 
session. Not an update. I'd just like to thank Richard and the, and the other members of his board for their hosting, hosting me as a guest. It was very interesting. They're a tight group, and they really know what they're doing. And I was very much impressed. And thank you for returning the interest. Um, we've worked uh, a lot to improve the fare of our aging population. And Scott and his organization have been, uh, been working with us and influencing Chair Randall to put together that transportation survey several years ago. There have been some noticeable changes and certainly the expansion of bus routes that uh, we've seen are certainly going to help. If we can solve the issue of social isolation, transportation is a big part of that. Communication is a big part of it. Then we will have completed our task. So we appreciate the contributions and certainly uh, your interest in expanding transportation opportunities and options is going to contribute to the, those, those goals. So thank you. We enjoyed having Rob and Paul anytime. Thank you. Thanks, Ron, for uh, taking the time. Chairman Payne and his commission uh, uh, last Tuesday. What are you? Right. It was. Yeah. Oh, last Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and the next one is the, uh, the discussion that we had around um, you know, having a business presence for the transit board uh, around uh, in the, um, and just want to, you know, uh, thoughts on that. And if we can stand up a page, but it's what we discussed the last time for be sort of substantive. So, or to see if you had any thoughts since I think it was your second meeting, from correct? It's the second meeting. Sorry, it's like already I've been here for two years now. I see, I see, great now. <laughs> Um, so, no, I, I think we should rename that to social media for uh, rather than LinkedIn because, um, so just, you know, as an experimental model, we went for the photo yeah. of us on the photo shoot, and we had 1,330 impressions. Folks just canceled my page. I'm sure when you liked it or when you shared it, you had it. It's all about visibility at this point, right? And, 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 and do we have a bus? Folks like, oh, right. we have a bus. Those who use the bus, they know all about it. Those who don't, they do not, they know nothing about it. It's either you know something or you do not know about the service. So the question is, at least have the visibility doing that, you know, um, in a formal way uh, that professionals are using this bus. It's not, and, and the day-to-day folks are also using it, but, you know, highlighting the uh, the county and the tourism, definitely that's, that's one of those topics that needs to be uh, talked about. But, you know, what are other services and in a, in a, I'm not a good person to do this, but, you know, they're telling the story, the emotional way of not, it's not a bus, it's, it's connectivity. It's, mm -hmm. it's a story behind how folks are connecting with each other. If we can do that in that platform and have them constantly put in, um, I think that will have the you know, visibility. The reason why I'm saying this is that um, at EDAC, I am the International Business Advisor. So I have been to international tours with our ED team uh, to India and Dubai. And, and in India, whenever I go, I speak uh, for like eight to 10 days, nonstop eight hours, 
every business on why you should invest in Loudoun County, from alcohol business to aircraft, everybody. And whenever we showcase that, that tour, we show the zone shot of Loudoun, the greenery, the winery, and whatnot, why you should, the family should move there, you know, <laughs> all of that. And we do that. And then we, but when it comes to transportation, we only show the Dallas Airport, and that's it. We do not show anything beyond that. So, uh, you know, a little bit more on our local uh, tourism, transportation, and 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 I think that social media would would uh, add add to that. And uh, once we have a page, we'll start putting some uh, formal presentations and the discussions that's happening here. Maybe even a you know finalized version of our meeting minutes, so that we folks know that that this is this is already. Sure. I mean, some just links to the main page. You know, this is going to be one of those. Um, Sort of quasi things that's not officially with Loudoun County. So, like, we have links to the minutes and the agendas. We should point them to the official page so that they can go to that. But, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and uh, most folks in LinkedIn, you understand social media, they have maybe 15 seconds to read something to scroll. Yeah. So, if you take them to that page, they're like, okay, I'm not going to read it now. So, just except of, of that topic, what, what happened? I mean, just highlight those. And if that's something interesting, click and go to that page. So, yeah. That you know, I completely agree with you. And yeah. LinkedIn actually that ads and hashtag to get you there. So, um, sorry, what other members have some comments or questions? Well, I was thinking too, um, for the visibility, we've got our cards, um, which is you know, hard copy, but then also maybe even tonight to take a photo and then have that shared just like we did last week. Then, Vlad, you can. I just liked, you know, and then I didn't even have to create a whole separate page for that. And then people can communicate with us. But I think it's more visibility. That's what we want. We want to constantly, right? Because um, I find that not, uh, not everyone knows about our advisory board members unless they're set. Um, and then they find, find out. But I think as the Metro comes, um, there's more interest around how to get around now. So no, I, I think that's a very fair point with Metro coming in. So there's to Scott made this point earlier, you know, 50% of the people are going to be for something mm -hmm. and then 50% of the people are not going, are going to be against, right? So there's going to be interest as well as they're going to be adverse. So with Metro coming in, we want to, this board is going to be seeing more of that. So to she's point, you know, we are an advisory body, we're not a decision making body. We provide we work with the staff we provide any recommendations from a membership standpoint. But and we're gonna hear more of that. So I think this is a right tipping point juncture, if you will say, uh, to have that. Um, you know, going, I, we have had discussion as a transit board in the past, uh, you know, not per se in the context of you know, business social media like LinkedIn. But we have had this discussion in the context of uh, you know, Facebook or Twitter, the nature. Um, so, um, you know, uh, not to put this bonus on you, is that, is that something that you could keep it up from a LinkedIn standpoint? We can, uh, you know, um, from, a, from a social media standpoint, uh, because, you know, it could be, uh, you know, we can get the membership and thoughts on it. So my thought is not, not just LinkedIn, but also once you have it in one place. To Rushi's point, it has to be like a glimpse of what happened, but it has to point to the emotional source because those are the official 
um, you know, landing sites. So it has to point to that. So, you know, or not. So that's, that's what I thought, but Amy or others, can you have any comments? I think it's a great idea. I just need to clarify. Uh, I'm working here at the Community Foundation with a consultant for computer and cybersecurity. And to get that insurance, we're having to create a bunch of policies. And a part of that policy is that for any employee or board member, volunteer to post about the community foundation must include a disclaimer that says this is not an official representation of the community foundation. And I just know that Loudoun County's PR department has very specific guidelines and I want to be sure that this has been vetted with them because they would not like it if we don't. They would not like it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to answer your question, so for EDAC economic development, we have meetings. Um, we do not make any comments beyond what it is. We just mention that this presentation was done. Here's the link. We do not make our opinions on that. We just say great presentation. Okay, that's our opinion. But beyond that, we just post the photograph, which is part of the public presence. Like this is a public meeting. So, so you're um, saying there's a model. Correct. Yes, that's all. Right. 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 That's why I had to put the onus on. <laughs> so, so, so the, the idea is what, what I, again, my personal opinion is that we saw folks coming up and being in the lead neighborhood programs in cities, the bus road is not only for certain folks. It's also, it's not about affordability, it's about access. So, when it comes to that, any level of richness you may be in, you should be used. You should use the bus for the environmental purposes, not only for cost purposes. So that being said, uh, so that's the way the reason why professional media, like LinkedIn and Facebook, is more of a different style of media. But professional media that we are professionals working towards advising uh, the team here and making sure that you know professionals are looking at it and uh, and and advising them. So. You know, it, it's participation, everybody participating, and as the community participates into the listening coalition, that you want the community to participate in this, not just us. That will encourage more folks taking the rounds, exploring more options, and supporting the team. Uh, you know, with the participation. So, and and you know, EDAC, um, I personally know their uh, LinkedIn, um, and uh, has have done a phenomenal job with Vitalizer and that team. And also our former uh, EDAC representative, prior to remember, uh, are you moving he, He's been active on the business side of social. So that, to your point, there's a model um, where we can follow without, like without, you know, break, yeah, without breaking any um, you know, rules and not violating. For years before the pandemic, I always would post and I did not receive any little feedback because it was to your point. There's a model for it, and it's backwards. And one one more thing I want to comment on that is, um, you know, I think one of the members mentioned earlier that either people know there's all kinds of transportation available today in the county, or you know anything about it at all. And you know, for me personally, ten years ago, eleven years ago, I did not even know there was a bus that was for instance. So, where I just drove. Um, 
So, you know, I'm sure it has changed, um, but, you know, I think getting this message out, um, I think it's, it's, it's really, it would be very helpful given that we are looking at uh, changes in our, um, you know, uh, commuter bus, metro, and recall general markets. So, you know, um, um, if you would like to take that bonus up, um, you know, uh, you know, and I think if you want to get help from any particular member, um, our members on that initiative, and certainly back or down our next. And and then if QPCA, you know, uh, staff, staff, uh, uh, you know, you want to mention something as well in, in our in the present and for the polls, we can say that. So in the last, in the last presentation, I just suggested it. You put out photo, and then I actually went to the website. Grab that language and just press it. That's all. I didn't change anything. So you know, but it kind of like says what how good the transportation is and what we have. Talk about it and then have a photo. That kind of gets everyone's attention for a second. But um, I think that's a starting point of making our tools visible. Staff, do you, do you have any thoughts or comments on that? You're kind of out of our realm. I mean, this is really public communications right. realm. Right. Um, I know that we reached out to the county admin. Yeah, we have talked about this. I basically said well, that. Well, no, they, I have not received a response. So okay, I thought they remember. came back and said that EDAC yeah. was the only one using this. No, that was information I provided. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, but I, I did email county admin, and I, I didn't receive a response before this meeting, but I'll touch back. Okay, the only thing that I can tell you from a generally speaking from how the county operates is it's fantastic when you have well-intended people doing the right things it's when that veers and that's therein lies why you start to have companies saying you have to put these disclaimers down there and those kind of things so that folks can distinguish between what's an actual county function and what's folks are just putting out there i mean i don't know how you guys are but you know Probably each of you get spam every day where you got to figure out is this real, is this not real, and you have to kind of sort through it. So that that's kind of why those policies are put into place. So yeah, just just kind of expanding no, my, the training. No, my my mortgage was sold from company A to company B, and it said Mr. Cooper somebody, and I, I was like, yeah. I was like, is this this is a real you know selling of that mortgage? So no, there you go. So I don't I don't disagree. Um, so, any other comments, Mike? Do you have any comments? No, no. All right, it's fine. Um, just a motion to extend the meeting fifteen minutes so we can get staff to here to say twenty-five. Oh, yeah. motion to extend yeah, 15, minutes. fifteen minutes. Just if that's a no oh, time. forty-five. Yeah. Second. Is, Is that okay? Yeah, here. Oh, yeah. Have to go up here. Only if I get to go to bed tonight. <laughs> <laughs> 15 minutes. I'll hear a motion. Anyone against the motion? That's 10 or 2. Uh, 10 0. So multiple will circle back. Uh, that's, do you have any questions or thoughts? So, to answer your question, you know, it'll be, you're right, that if everybody starts posting it, it's, it's, it's a challenge, but that's where. Uh, you know, it'll probably channel through me and then I will check back with the team, make sure that this is okay. And then, and then I'll tag everybody. So all you have to do is just share. Right. Yes, yes. Right. So nothing gets changed uh, in that conversation. So 
I completely understand the cybersecurity concept of that. As a cybersecurity analyst myself, you know, I, I, I see all those issues. But so with LinkedIn, uh, with ERAC, with the history of what we have done, we have not done any negative uh, comments at this point in time until this. <laughs> so we'll continue the same trend and update. And who was that page for ERAC? Uh, it's uh, our admin now. It's in uh, ERAC. Um, so what did I just Yes, then we start with that. But we also write our own and we tag that. So we, we do that. Right. So the key, the key is no changes. That's what I just liked it and moved on. I mean, no changes. It's just a great presentation. Yeah, that's it. Small yeah. comments. All right. Um, I don't know if you need a uh, motion on that to go forward. I, I would like to. Make sure that staff hears back from admin before we step into this. Yeah, this is this is out of our authorization. Maybe we we, sure. we don't have that authorization, but okay, that okay, that that's so. In the case of EDAC, sounds like um, that's handled by EDAC staff, but in this case, I don't think we're asking the transit staff to handle it. If I'm correct. Mm -hmm. And uh, that may, in and of itself, be problematic. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, it works. I, I just, I would move to table this discussion until we've gotten the feedback. If I can, uh, I'd recommend that uh, you talk to the county attorney and the PR department, and then come back to us in two months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or let staff. Uh, yeah, if staff are willing to do it. Yeah. Sarah, yeah. I think, has reached out. She's ready from what I understood earlier was she's waiting to hear back from uh, the county admin of that particular um, thing. So do we have an official request for that? Or was it just a conversational request? I didn't forward some correspondence. I emailed a direct just to ask the question. And was that was that for um, general social media? Yes. Okay, general social media. Okay. I, I do have a clarifying question um, with regards to what we're asking for, because I want to make sure we're asking for the right thing. Yes, um, in the past, I've just personally um, posted on social media. Are we asking if we can individually do this? Or are we asking this as the my, my understanding is that ask is to create a dedicated transit advisory. Gotcha. I would have made a table account. Yeah. Um, that, that type of, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. That is what I understand your ask to be. And that's so not, not a Last week, where we just, yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah. We're asking for the board. That's a whole yeah, separate thing. That's a separate page for that. Yes. Right. Let's go through the legal documents and maybe a couple of weeks. Once we get all, all of that. Yeah. So, you know, that way they get the benefit of this. Let's get that. And once we clear all the all the areas, then we'll so so this is an official page uh, yes, that uh, for the whole transit board um, that we ask. I get it. No, I wasn't yeah. proposing to do that straight away. I was just more speaking to in the meantime we could actively engage the yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. Individually, we can. Yeah. We are we are more than um, you know welcome able to do that. So then let's so let's table that um, for the next meeting. Um, to hear back more from the county admin. All right, moving on to the 
organizational matters um, set around meeting minutes. So you mentioned that the uh, March minutes will we can uh, review hopefully in November. Uh, uh, yes, I'm hoping to get some assistance uh, preparing those meeting minutes. Okay. Do you have uh, trouble uh, getting the audio, or it's just that you need the time? Time to do. Thank you. So, just to clarify on that, so everybody's on the right page there. Sarah's plate is full, and I think Mark was actually supposed to get those meeting minutes done. So now she has to go back in and listen to that entire. And it takes, I mean, it's an hour and a half meeting. You got to sort through, so it's it's time consuming. Yeah. Uh, that's what she's talking. Yeah. Just trying to carve out some time to get yeah. that done. Yeah, yeah. Mark originally uh, was uh, signed up to do that, but you know he couldn't get to it. Yeah, I understand. yeah. I wasn't. Yeah, me and me spirited about that. I'm just yeah. Yeah. sharing information. No. Yeah, yesterday I had to go back to listen to a work recording um, on some action items. It took me a while to parse up where I was and what I had to do. So I don't get. So on the July 20, 2022 minutes, um, did anybody have any comments on the meeting minutes? Um, any questions? Um, or if there's none, is there a motion to up with the second? Second with Vlad or second by Amy. Um uh, all in favor of the motion. Uh, any anyone opposed? So I You yeah, abstain. You wasn't here. UN, UN. Yeah. Right. So that's I trust him, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, staff updates, ridership updates, team. Um, uh, so I'm going to give you my best because my laptop died while we were sitting here. So um, <laughs> I'll start my cheat sheets. Uh, and I know Scott probably has, knows all these numbers off the back of his hand. So if I'm wrong, he'll fix me. Um, local ridership is currently, it's everything's fairly steady compared to prior numbers. And the numbers I had in the agenda were based on through the end of July. Um, if I remember again, if I remember correctly, and in that we, you know, local ridership was running at 90% of pre COVID commuter was running 20, 25%. Um, I said, Sarah, you are my hero. Thank you. Um, oh, and, uh, yeah. Okay. Metro connection was running at about 40%. Um, no, I'm sorry, that's a service level. I'm sorry. Um, sorry, Metro Connection ridership is running about 13% of pre-COVID levels. Um, local ridership is running about 80% of pre-COVID levels and commuters running about 21%. Sorry. Um, but that, again, that was through the end. I'm sorry, that was in August. Since the start of September, we've definitely seen an uptick in commuter ridership for sure. Um, we're starting to see a reestablishment of some old patterns, namely things like Tuesday through Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, our busiest days, uh, significant fall off on Fridays, less of a fall off on Mondays. So it's kind of interesting to see how um, the patterns are starting to reestablish. Um, I've actually got a couple of routes that I'm uh, putting in place some 
short term response plans for when buses get overcrowded in the afternoon. Um, and we're going to look at as we continue to work through some other uh, you know things like getting silver line up and going, uh, start looking again at commuter buses and do we need to continue to make some adjustments to, to meet the demand? Because uh, as we always have, we want to meet the demand where we see it for sure. Um, there's nothing better than the real data of where people are actually getting on off buses. So, um, so we're definitely going to keep working to, to address that. Uh, in terms of staff activities, um, we do actually have a, a minor service update coming up uh, October 24th. Um, you guys, I think, we're, have been aware of in the past that we are shifting the Dulles North Transit Center out of its current location uh, due to its proximity to the paid parking at the Loudon Gateway Station. So its replacement, um, the Dulles Transit Center, uh, which is over off of uh, Route 606 and Pacific Boulevard. Uh, it's basically the North employee lot of Dulles Airport, one portion of it. Uh, that'll be ready to open. I'm sure you're probably going to hear something from our PAOs about a grand opening for it uh, on October 21st. So we're planning to start service from there. Basically, we're just going to shift all the Dulles North service into the new facility on the 24th. Um, as you may have been aware, the county sold the property that contained the Ashburn North Park and Ride Lot. So um, I have to get our one route that's there out of there. Uh, the painful thing there is I'm going to move that route due to all the effort to shift that route. That that route will cease to exist when the Silver Line opens. So um, that's going to happen October 24th as well. And then we're adding a commuter trip in the afternoon to Brambleton to address a very long work day that uh, people have kind of been left with the way we scheduled the AM and the PM buses. So that'll all happen October 24th. And I'm putting the finishing touches on that work uh, as we speak. Uh, and then obviously following right behind that, we think, we hope, <laughs> believe, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so those that work is also uh, continuing and, and I'm putting the finishing touches on things like the real-time information for that. Our contractor is uh, in the process of hiring. Um, as you know, with every industry, hiring is a toughie right now, but they are, they are definitely taking some steps. They're uh, expanding their recruiting approach to start you know, creating bus drivers, not just finding bus drivers. So um, that's a big lift, but they're working through it. And we're all waiting with bated breath to see the date and see how it all comes to pass. So, the question is, yes, sir. May I ask a question? Uh, bus drivers, did your department Providing training for people that they bring on bus drivers, also at no cost to them. Uh, all of the training is the responsibility of our contractor. Yes, so they provide all the training. Um, again, training people to get their commercial driver license is a new aspect for them. Okay. Uh, so they are doing that training. Um, I don't know how they're making the arrangements. I mean, the, the thing you always worried about in this industry was you train somebody, you spend a lot of money to train them, and they disappear. So. Um, I've heard of all kinds and I've seen all kinds of strategies trying to deal with that. I don't know how, how exactly they're handling it, but that's the kind of thing we let them do and handle. Any other questions for Stephen? And Stephen, so the October 21st, uh, you mentioned the shipping. 
24. Well, the 21st is the grant is the right. ribbon cutting, I should right. say, and then we'll start service on that following. That's a Friday. Right. So then that following Monday, the 24th, so we'll start the service. The, from the last on the 21st. Yep. And the a couple of other things on the 24th that you mentioned. All the service itself changes on the 24th. 24th. Yes. The Monday. Yes. And is that is that part of the PR packet that you sent to us? Or is that? What do you mean, part of it? Is that information in here? Uh, probably not, because a lot of that came up since this was actually okay. produced. Okay, gotcha. So, so yeah, if, if you could um, send send that information or email that information, I'm sorry, email that information to us on those breakdown, that would be helpful for the tab conversion. Okay. Um, Are we welcome to attend? Okay. Um, I'm not. So, I think it's going to be a, yeah, a so ribbon what, cutting event. So yes, ribbon cutting. What's the was uh, on for the 21st, the ribbon cutting. Um, he said the PIO, the county and PIO, they sent a blast. Um, so I think as staff members, uh, we, are, we should be, um, uh, we can make the time to go if you're able to go. So that's one of the reasons I asked. And also on the 24th, more importantly, you mentioned uh, the Ashburn North and the two services and Bamington. So I want to share that with the community uh, okay. as well. So, um, you know, yeah, so we were with the PAOs to, to do press on that kind of stuff. We'll let you yeah. know. Uh, right, you know, so this information, you know, even if it doesn't come from the PIO, if you have information, if it's going to happen, um, we'll be happy to share across our media, like Clio and, you know, what we're saying on our course. Okay. Kept on below. Okay. Thank you. Thanks to you. Thank you. Um, gosh. any other questions or comments on that topic? Um, the next one is the update on Metro Rail opening. I know Penny's not here. Um, uh, I can address that for you. It's, it's coming. <laughs> um, I, I, I will put it, I will say this. We unofficially, with no official notification, um, we are operating as if it's going to start the first two weeks of November. That and, and again, I have no, I have no, we've not been notified in any ways, officially or unofficially. That's just where all the signs are pointing to when, when we put all the points A's, B's, and C's together. And we'll actually do the presentation for EDAC and the uh, <laughs> vice president of EMLA uh, spoke about this. You mentioned about November. So I, I will say this: they, it's public knowledge that they are starting to run trains on right. the second of October for two weeks. So that information that I just provided you is caveated with they don't run into any problems while they're running those trains. Are they just shaking the rust off? <laughs> so you right. So I was actually going to reference back to that, and I'm sure that that little incident caused a few people to lose some sleep at night. So um, I'm caveating that that all signs are pointing to that to that two weeks going well. Yeah. Okay. Any comments or questions on that? Thanks. Yes. Only yes. question, if I can, sorry, clear, if I can ask you or Ron, um, there was a question, or there was a notion at least at one point that tab members would be coming if there is an open, uh, I'm sure there will be, if it comes before the next tab meeting, can, can I ask you guys to sure. let us know? I'm more than happy to reach out to Chair Randall's office to just revisit the discussion that we 
as she was very clear that they want us involved. So just need to re-communicate that. Yeah. So what um yeah, so we can reach back and uh, one of the things could be uh, what Randall mentioned was getting tab membership involved was this um, you know, uh, video photo recording that we did. Um, that could be one of the facets, but the other facet could be the actual, um, you know, opening of our running of the services by itself. Yeah. So. I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, she did um, express an interest in having as many of us attend ceremonies in person. Um, I will go back and look at our notes that I charted down, um, but I do not explicitly recall um, she's saying that the tab would be involved in the ceremonies. It might well be, but I will address that. But she said um, what I recall was uh, on the top of my head that the tab would be involved tab um, in preparation to opening of metros, yeah. metro trap in the So in preparation, uh, so that could be the recordings that we did, or it could be the actual uh, after all this time, yeah, really. <laughs> and also, I was um, just getting ready to book a trip for right in that pocket, so I need to put that on hold and expectation. Yeah, so so we can we can uh, I can check back and you know we can yes. So I would definitely keep in touch with Chair Randall. Um, I can tell you that all of the ribbon cutting is being handled by the monitor. So it's they're the driver of this ship, and then we're kind of going to attend it. Obviously, the elected officials are very important. They're going to be invited to be there. Um, from staff's perspective, we have absolutely no input or anything about how everything is going to be done on that. So just if you, you need to keep in touch with Chair Randall to, if you're going to be there. Okay. And Roshi, what did you say about? Going to you. Uh, Whether we're involved or at least have a seat or as a stand, okay. Uh, I just, I just, it's just at least if I can speak personally, been part of this advisory board for going on six years now, and I have a very much of a personal invest investment. Mm -hmm. So I'm really looking forward to it. So I, just, I look at it as a culmination of. So if we could come, if I could come, I would mm -hmm. really appreciate. He's got sort of. Can you mind hold up the time? Uh, yeah. Are we approaching? All right, so I'll look back on the item. Thank uh, you. So I think uh, the next one is the tab contact business cards. I think Sarah, thanks for um, shepherding it along. We all bought our iPhone 14 boxes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. 14 pieces. Yeah, right. <laughs> like one. It's worth the uh, thank you for uh, uh, cards. So the next one is the studies and plans. I know there are like three sub bullets. Uh, it's, it, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, I, I do need just a few minutes because I have included all of you as one of the public outreach components that we've done as far as the update for the tran um, Title VI program. So I will be really brief, but I do want to cover a couple. Uh, first of all, thank you all for participating with your um, ethnic background information that was shared and compiled into the final report. Mostly what I wanted to talk to you about tonight is uh, one of the elements of the program was to solicit public engagement for our, the policies that define when we look at 
equity impacts to service changes. And so what that means is, uh, as Stephen was saying, we're making various changes. We set a threshold that defines, okay, this is a major change to our service. It's going to really impact uh, a level of people that we that we've defined. And so we need to look at how that impacts low income and minority communities. So that's what I want to highlight for you tonight is what those criteria are. And you can ask you can ask me any questions about that. So any change that adds or eliminates entirely a whole route, uh, that qualifies as a major service change. When we change a route and it um, adds 20% of that routes, either the hours that we serve the public or the number of uh, miles that we travel that the public would be able to access that. So if it goes over 20% of those hours or miles, that's considered a major service change. Or under. Or, or under, yes, if we add or eliminate. Uh, this is the component that we ended up changing. And so this is the part that we've, um, we're really getting feedback on. Uh, so in the old program, it said uh, we wanted to include an impact to ridership. So if you have one stop and a lot of people are using that one stop and we do the, and we make this change, maybe it doesn't factor into your hours or your miles, but it impacts a lot of people. So in the last program that we did, we added a provision that if it added or eliminated 15% of the ridership, uh, that would also qualify as a major service change. Uh, however, in implementing the program, we realized, well, there's no um, accurate way for us to determine how many people we are adding. So we definitely can figure how many people we are eliminating. If, uh, if we remove a stop, we have ridership numbers so we can figure that in. But if we place a new stop somewhere, we don't have a, a definitive way to determine how many more new people are going to start using that new stop. So the change that we proposed for this program is to eliminate that adding 15% of ridership. So that, that was the change. Um, so that, those three categories are what define our major service changes. Once it meets those criteria, we look at it and determine whether or not the percent population of low-income or minority pop populations exceeds a certain amount. Uh, and how we do that is we look at the average minority population or low income, we look at these separately, the average population across the entire service area for that mode. Local is treated separately from Metro Connection is treated separately from commuter bus. And it has to do with the radiuses around the service areas that we propose. But we look at um, census data for this. Uh, so you look at your averages, and then if you are adding a new service, but you're not benefiting within 5% of your median, then you are not benefiting enough people, uh, low-income and minority populations. Uh, on the reverse of that, if you are eliminating service, and you exceed, and, and the pop, and where you're eliminating that service exceeds that average value by more than 5%, then that can create a disparate impact as well. Uh, so the terms are disparate impact for minorities, uh, disproportionate burden for low income. Uh, it, it's a little wonky to explain it without having a graphics. I'm sorry for that. I'm trying to go through this pretty quickly. 
Uh, one thing I did wanted to make sure is clear to you all is that we are defining low income populations based on 50% of the area median income, uh, which in 2022 was $141,000 for a four family of four. So 50% of that is about $71,000. We looked at the um, census data and where they do their income breaks, and that came out to $75,000. So the threshold that we are using for low income is a family of four, that earns $75,000 or less that qualifies them as low income. And then uh, the minorities are um, all of the various minorities that the US Census uses. So that's it in a real high level summary. And uh, I'd be happy to answer any questions you have specifically about that. But while you're thinking, uh, we are getting ready to wrap up the report now, process of creating the drafts, doing the reviews of that. And it is planned to be presented to the Board of Supervisors for approval in December, their first meeting, which I believe is December. Just a quick question. Is it for current routes or proposed routes? I remember the, the, our, the residents that came in earlier today, you know, be, I'm just wondering if those, that's, since that's a proposed route, would that be impacted here or, would it, or only the current? Well, how, how it works is the program itself looks at our current routes and we evaluate it for lots of different measures. I have all these things that we were looking at um, on time performance, headways, all of those things. We look at our current service and compare them against our standards. If we're deviating from those standards, we look, okay, are, are those routes minority routes, low income routes, uh, and make sure that it's not disparaging. For our brand new routes that we do, we use this criteria that I just outlined, and we went through that process uh, for all of the new routes uh, to determine, of course, any new route would be a major service change. And then we look at uh, how you know, are we benefiting a minority population that is within 5% of the average population within the entire service area. And since we were providing these routes all over the entire eastern half of the county, um, we did not create a disparate impact or disproportionate burden because we were planning so many new routes. If we had just planned one route, it might be more likely that the one route that you're planning doesn't meet those population ranges. But since we were doing an entire area, uh, we were within the, the Title VI criteria. Definitely you service area. So service area, we are looking at um, any census block that touches within uh, a quarter mile of a route of, of the stop on a local bus for uh, any route that includes a park and ride lot, it's a three mile driving radius. Thank you. That's all. Uh, a question off, a little off the topic, which I was talking to Ray earlier. I know this topic, he said that was tabled uh, at previous meetings was connectivity to regional parks and 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 look for that. Uh, matter of fact, there is in the new park that's being opened in uh, Hanson Regional Park this Saturday. And that would be a great time to also look at all of this connectivity to the park, beautiful park, a lot of activities, sport activities, tourism, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of things can happen. Um, now that was tabled, that as I understand, 
was brought back again and discussed about uh, whether the connectivity for regional parks and the tourism and you know having that connectivity. Folks will now just walk and take a bus. Well, I mean, it's it's it, it's a part of the process as we're going through these things. Um, you know, part of the struggle we have with parks is they tend to be away from everything else. So it's more of a destination where you're picking people up and dropping them off, trying to get them into, you know, configured into a route that's going to continually be able to circle, or even if it's a linear route, you're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It's a little tougher on these routes. Um, so they are part and parcel because they're part of the county and we're trying to do that, but um, they're not a huge priority for us because most of the folks, the county is in such dire need of transit that going to the parks is is on the list, but it's down the list if that makes sense. Yeah. And we've got so many other things trying to get to employers and employment areas and yeah, I wish we had that much bus service that we could start talking. <laughs> Any other questions on the title six? Again, thank you all for participating in that. And, and I'll certainly share the link to it once it's uh, available for the public. Uh, just real quickly on the paratransit service. That, uh, this is a follow up to the unmet needs uh, study that was done that, uh, that um, Richard Payne and, and lots of other people helped contribute to. So, as a result of that, we are looking at, okay, um, for one thing, we had an existing service area, uh, and then we have all these new routes. So, automatically, that expanded the area that we're providing paratransit service to. But what are those extra costs going to be? How much more equipment are we going to need? Okay, so that's one part of this study. The second part of the study is to meet those unmet needs, what might happen if we expanded the minimum boundary that you're required to provide, which is three quarters of a mile. What if we extend double that made it a 1 and a half miles? Or what if we looked at this entire region off like all of eastern Loudoun uh, with the certain population densities? Uh, how would that would we cover a substantial number of more people that would justify the added expenses and equipment and operating costs? So we're doing a study to look at five different scenarios for expanding that service boundary. And then the very last thing that I know several of you are very excited about today, we kicked off the project for the transit strategic plan. It's a 10 year outlook for our plan and the five year commuter assistance strategic plan. Uh, so in the next couple of weeks, we'll be working on the detailed timelines for that. It will absolutely involve presentations to this group here, uh, inter, um, interviews with the Board of Supervisors. We have public engagement activities planned, different pop-up bands. So once we get those dates finalized, I will certainly share all those with you. So the 10-year strategic plan is huge because it, it will do exactly what you just touched on. It will plan out over the next 10 years, where should we be putting, what services should, and you know, parks, you know, where can we fit those in into what fiscal years? It's also a funding plan. You have to have this plan to go after grant funding for the Department of Rail and Public Transportation. So, if if we say we want to, you know, um, we want to go after operation costs for four different routes next year, if they're not in our plan, 
the ARPT says, sorry, you went in your plan, therefore we didn't fund for it. So it, 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 is a, it is a requirement for us to get money. And that also drives our capital. So, our capital so because that's a part of it. When you hope to have it completed, or is there a deadline? That you can't uh, yes, our, our deadline, uh, are like there are very intermediate deadlines that we're trying to do with presentation for the Board of Supervisors in May as part of a transit summit. And then the final report is scheduled for uh, consideration of approval in December of 2023. So it'll be a year, it's year a plus lift. long project. It's a big lift. So what's uh, TAB's response? Yeah. Uh, we will engage TAB uh, in, in a couple of different phases. In the initial stage, we will come to you and talk to you about envisioning for these two plans. Uh, and then the follow-up will be, here's what we've heard, here are the ideas that we've put together to get feedback on them. Essentially, TAB will be a stakeholder. In this process. So, as part of the uh, you know process, um, that's have have members who will reach out to communities, our members to get their opinions. Yeah, bring back. So there'll be lots of public outreach pieces as we're moving forward, and you know we will share those with you. And so it's yeah, as a member of TAB, we would wholeheartedly expect that you would. Spread that out through your own networks to make sure that everybody can comment on it, you know, because that will define and will cause what happened tonight. You know, early on, you'll have a bunch of people show up and say, "Don't put it here," and you'll have a bunch of people show up and say, "Please put it here." Yeah, and I need a bigger room. <laughs> <laughs> That's what um, planning comes from. But Erickson was mentioning about planning commission earlier, where agenda was pushed. They had a cancel uh, letter on airport impact of all industries, and that took them completely off the agenda. And they had they kept hearing public comments the whole night. Get to any business, you know, which is why she was pushing. Uh, but but thanks, uh, Sarah. Anything else that you would like to add before, or any questions, any other questions or comments for Sarah on the strategic plan and uh, my thoughts there? I think that's uh, what in progress is going to be kicked off. Uh, thank you for those updates on Title Six, Fair uh, Transit Study, and the Strategic Study, Sarah. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, I know that the last time we will call the Next business meeting on the adjourn, but do we have a do we have any action item? I know that Mike um, called Mike home, you know, on the um, you know public comments that we heard from the residents of Old Locks Road. You know, they are looking for you know below we are an advisory body. They look for they have, they are here because they are, they look forward to get some you know direction or help from the transit board. Is there any um, there's a question not just to Mike, but also the cloud membership. Is there any motion that we need to make? Work with staff or direct staff or, you know, I know you asked the question earlier, right. um, you know, on, you know, what are the alternatives, right? If I'm correct? No, it's a two-part question. It was, how is that decided? And then, what, and then how and feasible I, are the alternatives? And I think part of, I think Scott answered part of that, what happened, the Nelson. I'd like to see 
some of the emails that went out and so some of the content that went out to them, you know, because there's definitely a miscommunication between whatever you feel that you sent out and what they feel they got. Right. So yeah, I yeah. So 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 my my question is. What's the next step? I'm like, do we need to, do we need to take an action as a board uh, tonight on that uh, collectively as a board? Um, what's my question? So um, I would say that we don't actually have to do anything uh, because Scott has already offered to meet with them. So I'm assuming that's a true statement. So well, there's two different pieces here. I I offered to meet with them outside of tab. That, right. That was not a tab. Exactly. It, they brought it to tab, but really it was an issue that needs to be outside of tab. Right. Um, so that's why I wanted to meet to make sure that they understood they were heard and that we can go talk about this. Um, you have to be careful in how you respond to folks, especially in a setting like this. There was what, maybe 15 people here? That could be seven houses in a in a neighborhood of 260. So you, you've got a little bit of a taste of the vocal minority in today. You don't know if that's well, that, that's why I offered to meet with them. But we also it's, have it's we home. also have to be very we also have to be very careful on how we respond as a tab board to these folks. Because we go as staff to an awful lot of measures to make sure we communicate with as many people as possible. And therefore just because somebody chooses not to hear it, read it, see it, absorb it, you know, and and they may not have got, but clearly the gentleman on the end spoke and said, "Yeah, we got, it. we got, the, we got the transit graphics. We got, we knew where the stops were. He even knew right where they were, and he was spot on. So that whole road back there knew that that route was coming. Right, they knew it about a week ago. No, they knew it eight months ago when we put. He said 2019 or 2020. So that's it, it's." Again, it's it's the only thing that I can say is from a staff perspective is it's our job to do our best to communicate with folks. We're not driving this transit train. Folks are driving this transit train. So we do our best to listen to the public and put the routes where they need to. We've gotten emails after emails after emails over the years from Loudoun Valley State folks asking us to bring bus service into that area. Um, so, you know, it's not shocking to me that this happened. And the reason that this happened tonight is because the public process works. We sent out letters. We ended up having, because of the bus stop issues, you know, we ended up saying, okay, we have to move this, you know, this is the only place you have to look at it. There's no place to put bus stops, but in the neighborhood. But we can go back and forth. I opposite to that in trade center place. And that's a commercial location. I, I don't know the issues of all of that, right. but things are looping that direction the other way that keeps the stops away from them, but it still serves the community those who want to cross and get into the bus. Have you looked into that option of trade center place? We we looked at all the options that are over there. Yeah, we don't want to get into transit planning here because it's yeah, like like Mike just said, it's an opinion thing, it's right? We we try to put them as safe as best we can in as safe a place as we can and do so it. So what I would ask you is if you need us to uh if you can come back to us with, with updates on it or next if, if next meeting's appropriate sure. kind of updates or, that, or email, right? Or e yeah, or either right. and if and if you um if you if it's appropriate for us to for any members that would want to join you at that meeting and it's a and it's appropriate. 
um, I know that I would be happy to join if I have my schedule permits. You guys are welcome to join. I mean, that's up to you. You know, we'll, we'll see when that meeting takes place and where it takes place and if it takes place. It's up to them as to whether or not it will take place. Um, but just like I said to everybody here, you know, we want to make sure the entire neighborhood is there so that you can get a full, you know, not you, but they can understand. Here's where it stands, you know, um, and it may be by the, you know, we'll take the, the emails that we got and we'll go back and look at it and see, you know, all right, well, if this particular street is this vocal about it, maybe we can shift in another street where, and they're not as vocal about it. Or maybe even better if they want it. Hmm? Maybe even better if they want it. Well, Mike, I don't think you're listening to me. Because, no, I think I, because yeah. we got, we understand that. And I maybe I'm not articulating it clearly enough to you. We understand that if there's 120 people and 60 people want it, 60 people don't, we have to make a decision. If we get it in more, in most cases, it's right in the, you know, 60, 40, something like that. And we do that. Um, if the 60% is negative, we don't put it in. That's generally how we operate. So that's why I say when, you know, that's how we operate. We, we, we have no, we have no desires to be the, the transit stars of the world where our job is to serve the public. Just from experience, it's much easier to drum up against than for. You will rarely see 15 people come and say, yes, we want the bus. But it never happens, right? So all you hear ever is people against. And it takes a lot of effort to figure out like what the real uh, position is. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I trust and I trust them to. So, yeah, but it comes down to is what I told them. If they don't want this, they're going to have to get their whole community. You can't just be 15 people. Okay. Because what we saw with, you know, while we had 2 point something billion negative impressions, it's because a lot of community members went to the school board. Okay. So the big question is, is how many of these people do they actually represent? Which is why Ram asked the question. I don't know where she asked the question. Is the um, board even on, on this thing? Which is a good question. We'll find out. If it is 15 people and they're pissed, well, that's one thing. If it's a lot of them, we're going to find out. That's yeah, really it's it's coming upon them to the show up. The stuff is saying is that. So, so you know, so to Rishi's point, you know, if Scott, if you could go back and kind of look at, you know, on that particular route that stops, whatever transpired, whatever thought process was put in, if you could you know, send tab. Um, and that is that information, so we can take it back. Um, I I give my information for the community members to reach out, so I can so, no. I can I can go personally look at it as a individual member, not that to be a support, so I can get my perspectives. But I'm not going to advocate for the whole board. Yeah, I, um, I mean, listen, we'll we'll it may even still be on the web. All of our public input information. I'm not sure if it is or it isn't, but so, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll go back and double check and I and I'll. But we have all of the com the comments. Yeah, can I, if you could point us to those information, please, uh, that would be helpful for us to, uh, you know, just put through the process and participate. Uh, Let's uh, forward. Absolutely, we can do that. Um, 
So that sounds like we don't need to need to make a motion and just start working through that. All right, sounds good to me. Um, all right, so the next business meeting. Um, and before you close, I, I got confirmation today that the Cascades Library is available. So we are happy are to uh, Lance. Today, I was able to confirm that on 11 16, 2022, Cascades Library is available. It's on Whitfield Place in Potomac Falls. There you go. Thank you, Sarah. And with that, um, seeing no other business, call the meeting. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.